Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Every Friday at sundown, Jews across the world gather to celebrate family and friends, a connectivity to God and an unbroken chain from the past to the present and into the future. So began a post on Facebook by Sean Thompson, former world champion surfer, environmentalist, actor, author, and businessman. The post written on the 5th of February went viral. He continued to describe the impact that the 7th October attacks had on Israel and how it affected us all. He then says, on next week's Shabbat, I shall be in Tel Aviv to show support, solidarity, and shine some hope on a people and a nation that have endured so much tragedy. I'm delighted to have Sean as my guest now to tell me about that Shabbat. Sean, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, hi, Sharice. It's, it's wonderful uh, to be with you and uh, best wishes to, uh, to everyone uh, in my homeland. Sean, that message went absolutely viral. And I think it did because it touched a chord. And I think you expressed in that post what so many of us are feeling, the horror of what happened and the solidarity and the need to show solidarity with Israel. But you went further. You were going to Israel to do something practical and to provide those that were affected with something tangible to, to work with. Um, I, I wonder, I, I do want to go into it, but maybe just before we do, you can tell us about growing up in Durban and how surfing became such an integral part of your life. <laughs> so it's so funny how, you know, a lot of people, uh, even in South Africa, uh, don't even know I'm Jewish. You know, our family name was Tom Shinsky. Uh, my crew came over from um, from Riga in uh, in Latvia at the turn of the century. Uh, you know, they fled the pogroms from the Russians and the Cossacks, and um, so uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I've never found out is where the name was changed. Was it changed by the immigration, or was it changed by uh, by my granddad uh, Sam, who was the first one to hit uh, South Africa before he he. Uh, he brought out the whole crew, you know, he started fixing kettles and that whole, you know, the, the traditional um, the traditional Jewish story. So, I mean, I, I really grew up, I think, in a family of entrepreneurs. <clears throat> My dad uh, had found swimming in the beach when he was a young boy. Uh, so he loved he loved the beach. He was South African junior swimming champion at 13. And his his big dream was was to go and compete in the Olympics. And then um he volunteered for the war, like like uh, many South Africans, to fight against the Nazis and to fight against the fascists. Mm-hmm. My mom grew up on the island of Malta during the Second World War, which was the most heavily bombed place in the history of the world. For four years, uh, she endured 3,600 air raids uh, and then eventually was evacuated and ended up in South Africa. Uh, and then my dad, um, after the war, came back from, uh, 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 from the war, resumed his swimming career, and then had a very, very bad shark attack. Uh, which destroyed his, his swimming career while he was on a surfboard, while he was surfing, um, but never lost his his love for the ocean. And, and um, my mom also had had a deep-seated love of the ocean. <clears throat> you know, she told me that when she first walked down West Street in Durban with her mom and brother, she saw that Indian Ocean and said, uh, I've never felt as free when I've been at the sea. That, those are her words. So I met my dad fell in love, uh, got married. And then my earliest memories are of being on the beach um, with with my mom and dad. 
uh, my dad teaching me how to swim and surf 100 meters away from where he'd had this um, terrible attack. He never lost his his love for the ocean. And then surfing was <clears throat> was just this wonderful family endeavor <clears throat> for my sister Tracy, my brother Paul. It was all about family and uh, and connection. And you know, it's it's <clears throat> surfing and Shabbat are very similar. It's about hope because surfing, you never know when you're going to get that next wave. And it's about light because, you know, you're out there in the sun all day. And also it's about uh, human connection. You know, surfing for us was had this incredible human connectivity. So for my bar mitzvah, and it's got to be the first time in the history of the world that uh, my father said, I'm going to take you to Hawaii. <laughs> How about that? So my bar mitzvah present was a trip to Hawaii. And Hawaii was a long way away from uh, from our little town uh, of Durban. So he took me to Hawaii, uh, and then I came back with a lot of confidence, and that was sort of the springboard for my surfing career. I went to Carmel College in Durban. It was the only, uh, only Jewish school um, in Durban. Uh, I was a member of uh, Temple David. Uh, I had my bar mitzvah at uh, Temple David, as did my uh, brother Paul. So, um, you know, we had this, I think, this deep, connectivity to um I think to faith from from a young age you know my mom my mom really believed in prayer she wasn't so much uh, a traditionalist but she felt that all of us have this dialogue this direct dialogue with God and and, and she she would uh, say to me uh you know every conversation with my mom and dad ended the same way with God bless so those words were spoken. God's word was spoken on a daily basis. Every conversation, God bless. Uh, and then um, she would say, um, you must pray. You, you must pray. She said, um, God's, a, God's like a good neighbor. When you knock on his door, he's always at home. <laughs> How about that for a beautiful statement? So, um, you, you know, I think... Uh, Prayer and 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 the light of our faith has always been a part of my life. And you know, I was really my faith was really tested when my wife and I lost our beautiful son, Matthew. You know, Matthew means gift, gift from God in Hebrew. It was a beautiful boy, a beautiful name, and he he made a bad choice. He played a dangerous game that he heard about. I think he heard about it at school. Um, and you know we lost our boy. And I, I actually thought um, I thought God had deserted me because I was you know I thought I was a good person and trying to uplift people and trying to connect people and trying to do the right thing. Uh, and then um, the day on the, the day my my our beautiful boy died, he, he I phoned him up. In, uh, he, he was in South Africa for a semester at school, at my old school, Clifton. And uh, he said, Dad, I want to read you this. And he read me this amazing essay that he'd written at school. And um, the essay had these words in it, the light shines ahead. And I went, wow, Matthew, that's so beautiful. It's so spiritual. It's so uh, uh, profound. He said, Dad, I wrote it. And I wrote it for my English essay today at school. And I went, wow, that, that is that's incredible. And then an hour later, you know, Carla phoned me up and said, you know, we lost our child. And it was, it was just so, uh, it was so hard. And I really thought God had 
had had had deserted me. And then uh, you know it was a it was many many months of trying to fight back and trying to find a new path. And that's what I went to Israel for because I have had dreadful loss. I have experienced grief, and uh, I have found the hope and purpose to get through it again. And certainly, I think my faith my faith helped me, and maybe that relationship that I had to God for my mom at such a young age, you know, just pray, pray. You knock on the door and God's at home. And, you know, we, we were in South Africa and, you know, my wife was in a really bad way and we were in a hospital and one bolt of lightning hit that hospital out of a clear blue sky, one bolt. When a friend walked in and said, I have a message from Matthew, one bolt, one bolt of lightning out of an absolutely clear sky in Durban uh, in, in an early May day. And, you know, for me, that was like, it was like a sign from God. And then I went back to my old shul where I had my bar mitzvah and I'd sit there and, you know, I'd look above the ark and I'd see that light near to me, you know, the light, the light of everlasting, the, the, that sort of everlasting light. And, and it kind of connected me back to my faith and back to hope. And, you know, Shabbat, when I think of Shabbat, and all the Shabbats I've been to around the world, and you know, I think of light. I think of those candles, and I think of those women saying that beautiful prayer. And they all they all together, side by side, on it. It, it. It's so evocative of hope, and and light was was hope for me. And 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 then. You know, the light that shines in all surfaces, surfers call it stoke. So that's like their exuberance that they feel about going surfing. That's your passion, your stoke. And when you get a great wave, you're stoked. It's, it's a peculiar, peculiarly surfing term. But after I lost, lost my boy, I couldn't go surfing. I had no stoke left. And after this bolt hit the hospital, a friend of mine that I was at school with at Carmel College. And this is wonderful. He's a non-Jewish guy. There were like three non-Jewish guys in the school. Kept phoning me, hey, Sean, I've got to take you surfing. I've got to take you surfing. And um, I went, no, no, no. Eventually, I relented, and he, he took me surfing. And he said, I'm going to take you to a break you've never surfed before. And we walked down these steps just north of Durban. And, and we walked out to the ocean, and the sun was rising. It was like boiling up through the Indian Ocean. And, you know, I could feel the light of God right there, sun. And I walked down the water, and I, and I started crying. And I paddled out. And the ocean washed my tears away. I paddled out further. The ocean washed my tears away. And I could, see, I could feel my boy, my gift from God was with me. And I swung around and I caught my first wave and I felt a bit better. And I caught another wave and I felt a bit better. I paddled out, caught another wave. And then I paddled up to my friend and I said, what's the name of this wave? Because every surfing break in the world has a unique name. He said, Sean, it's called sunrise. And for me, that represents what every single Jew around the world should be thinking about today. Not be thinking about the hate, not be thinking about the anti-Semitism, but thinking about that sunrise, because that sunrise is coming. Wow, that is so incredibly profound and beautiful. Um, Sean, you see uh, uh, your love for the sea and the waves and what you've just explained you wanted to take that to Tel Aviv to help those that were most affected. 
Um, you see, uh, I, I, I've watched some of the, the YouTubes from your weekend, and you talk about control. Um, and I'd maybe like you to explain the concept of control when you're in the sea, because I love the sea, but never feel in control when I'm in it. You, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people about choice. You know, after what, what happened to my, my son and I encourage people, you want to find a new path. You want to think about your life differently. You want to be in control. You want to have the power. Um, I go break out a sheet of paper, write 12 lines, every line beginning with I will, because I will equals power. And you write it in 15 minutes. So that feeling of, of having power gives you a feeling of, of being in control. You can't control what anyone else is thinking. Sure, you can have an impact, and I try to have an impact. But the only direct control you can have is, is, uh, is with yourself. And, you know, surfing, you're in a very variable medium. It's very uncertain. It's very risky. It's very, uh, it's very unpredictable. But you can control yourself. And, and I think this code that I developed through surfing so many years ago is certainly a way to help uh, empower people. So when I was in Israel, I spoke to I spoke to many, many, many different many different groups. I wanted to 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 share my story, share my faith, and to share hope and, and to show that I've been through tough times as well. I lost my beautiful I lost my beautiful son, and and perhaps. I say that perhaps through my perspective, you can um, maybe look at your own perspective a little bit differently. Like my perspective, it might be both a mirror and a window um, as well. But the important thing is write your code, 12 lines. Every line uh, begins with I will. And if any of your listeners you know, want to do it, you just go to my website. It's free. And you see it there, the code method. Boom, you download it. You do it with your family. You do it with your team at work. You do it with your sports team. Millions of people have, have done this little process. So one of the most profound experiences I had in Israel was I was, I was brought to Israel by two people. One guy called Arthur Rushkovan, who's, who's an amazing uh, uh, promoter and surf guy um, in Israel. He actually arranged the first donation of about 200 surfboards uh, it was Surf for Peace to uh, uh, people in Gaza. He wanted to build this bridge in 2005. Incred incredible guy. And he said, Sean, you know, I, I, I want you to come to Israel. What we And and then also a guy I met recently, Omer Levy here in uh, Los Angeles, who has this um, amazing uh, organization called uh, um, Shabbat Surf. So he wants to use Shabbat to bring people together all around the world. So uh, they said, what we want to do is in, 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 surfer, in surfing, when a surfer dies, they have what's called the paddle out. So everyone that knows that surfer or just wants to pay their respects, they all paddle out on their boards into the ocean and they all sit in a large circle. And they just paddle out and they sit in a large circle and then they splash. And then it's over. It's a moving experience, but we wanted to put a special spin on this for 26 surfers that had died during the, the terrorist attack and thereafter. Because surfing is very popular in, in, in Israel, and I introduced 
modern surfing to Israel. Surfing was introduced in the late 50s by a guy called Doc Paskovitz. And then I introduced surfing in 1983. I was invited over to, to the um, first surfing event. We had 10,000 people on the beach at Tel Aviv with the U.S. ambassador, the mayor of Jerusalem, mayor of, and, and it was sort of a turning point in uh, Israeli surfing. And every Israeli surfer there over 40 says, Sean, I slept on the beach the whole night. Well, you know, it was just, it was just a, a lot of love. So what we did, we all paddled out together. There was about 100 of us, I think. We all had red roses. We all sat around in the circle. I was in a boat. And one by one, I read the names of the 26 surfers that had been killed. It was, it, it was like incredibly emotional. Then together, we all counted to 127 for the days that the hostages have, have been in captivity. And then I said, the Shema, hero Israel. Oh, it was amazing. And I said, people got to hear us. Because that's what that prayer is all about. Hero Israel. And um, it was amazing. It was connective. And uh, it was beautiful. So uh, I was crying. I jumped in the water. You know what happened? The ocean washed my tears away. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, so it was a wonderful trip. I, I, I visited uh, the first day. I went to Kafar Azar, 60 dead, 18 kidnapped. I went to Berry, 130 dead, 26 kidnapped. I met survivors. I met father, hung on to the door for 10 hours while they burnt his home around him. His son was kidnapped. I met Amit, 16 years old. He was luckily in the first release of hostages. I met um, his his. His wife and two daughters were captured. And somehow when the terrorists looked away, they managed to escape. I met uh, Nir, whose brother, Omer, who I knew, who had arranged a surfboard for, was killed and his son. Um, and to see the savagery and to see the death and destruction. And, and one of the hardest things to see is at, at Kafir Azar, there's an area on the kibbutz, where, where when a kid, as I understood it, when a kid turns about 18, when they have this sort of independence and they're little old, they let them stay in these little homes of their own. You know, they would like come into manhood, womanhood, and the savagery and destruction and death there, you know, hand grenades and RPGs shot at these kids. It was just, it was just so frightening. And while I was there, gauzes. 6Ks just across the field. You can see it right there. You know, you would hear the, the detonation of, of the explosives. And what? Does the world expect that we must let those murderers live who, who want to do it again? They don't want to do it. They want to do it now. They don't want to do it tomorrow. They want to be back there burning, raping, killing right now. And it, it is so... Um, you know, they call these people who've been brainwashed, brainwashed just like the, just like people were brainwashed by Goebbels from 1937 onwards. They call them useful idiots. And that's what they are. They cannot see 
the reality that this is an existential struggle. This is not an existential struggle between Israel and uh, Hamas. This is an existential struggle between good and evil. And every single person on this planet needs to make that decision. Which side of the moral divide are you on, good or evil? It's simple. There's, do you support rape, dismemberment, killing of babies, destruction? Do you do you support this as, as your mission in life? Or don't you? Are you so, sure? Well, you know, when I went... No, yeah. carry on, carry on. So, so when I went through Israel, that was the first day I went to Kafaza. Then I spoke. Uh, I went to uh, the McCarthy Foundation. I'm in the in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, surfing is going to be in in, in the McCarthy uh, in the McCarthy Games, which was uh, I mean, I met the head of McCarthy there, a guy called Roy Hessing. I spoke at a, at a beautiful school, like a surfing school that uses surfing um, as a, a vehicle for empowerment called Hagal Shali. Spoke to about 30 kids from um, from Berry that, that, that had survived. I spoke at um, this wonderful school called Givat Hiva Haviva. Uh, it's called United. And it has... Kids from 15 different countries, 15 different countries, Arab kids, Israeli kids. Um, and it's just a model for the, for the, you know, for the future of Israel. I spoke to, I spoke at SEAL Team 13, you know, the, 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 the SEAL team that was responsible for the release of the, of the two hostages. And then we had this amazing um, community event and uh, I spoke to a few, a few hundred people. And then yesterday on my arrival, I landed in uh, Los Angeles, drove up the coast, and, and a friend of mine was doing, a, doing a, a clinic for about 30 kids who were in the United States from the Nova Festival. Uh, I, met, I met the guy mm-hmm. who, who produced the Nova Festival. He gave me his dog tags. It was a miracle that he escaped. He told me he was running with his girlfriend and bullets were whizzing past his ears like... Um, like mosquitoes. So while I was there, I just tried to, to visit with and, and, and see as many people as I could and, and tell them that, um, you know, solidarity, support, love, and hope. It's not often I sub my way through an interview, but I have pretty much sub my way through this one. Sean, um, do you want to talk a little bit about resilience as well as hope? And what kind of you, what you gave and what you learned while you were there? So resilience and hope are interconnected. Uh, very, very interconnected. When, when I do my, uh, you know, I speak, since I lost my son, I, I moved into a field of, of, of um, talking about the fundamental tenets of leadership. I went back to university. I did a Master of Science in Leadership. I'm, I'm fascinated with influence and inspiration. You know, that, that's why I'm trying to use my voice here because I know the impact that voices can have on people's emotions and ultimately their behavior. And, and, and one, of, one of the things I talk about is the connectivity between resilience and hope. I talk about, I use a surfing metaphor and I talk about having a terrible wipeout uh, at, at, at the biggest wave in the world and, and then paddling in 
or being wiped out and being washed in and, and having to make the decision, do I paddle in and, or do I paddle back out? You know, on the, on the surface, that's a decision about resilience. You know, like, what are you going to do when, you, when you're beaten and broken and you're knocked to the ground? You're going to stand up and get back up and get on the board, get on the horse. You know, people think, well, that's resilience, but it's not, I, I, in my opinion. I believe that the decision for me then to paddle back out was, yes, resilience but primarily hope because only by paddling back out and knowing that you're going to paddle back out can you get the next wave. So the the desire and the journey towards that next wave is, is about hope and it's very much connected to to what my beautiful son had said about the light shining ahead and and uh, when, I, when I went surfing for that first time after I lost him and I paddled out towards that sunrise and that was about hope. So, you know, they inextricably connected. And certainly when I was in Israel, I saw a lot of hope there. But hope, I, I don't think shaded is the right word, but hope uh, delineated by pragmatism. Uh, I spoke to um, one of the one of the uh, members of the kibbutz in Berry who had... Uh, who was the father of Ahmed, who was kidnapped, who hung on to that door for 10 hours, nine or 10 hours, while while the terrorists were trying to get in. And it was just a handle. It wasn't a lock. He just had to hang on. His house is burning down around him. Just very matter-of-factly, very matter-of-factly. And he said, we will no longer ever live under that threat. We will not leave the kibbutz, but we will not live under that threat. We will not live under the threat of missiles being lobbed indiscriminately against us. We will not live next to people whose primary mission in life is to destroy us and kill us. Um, and, you know, when I hear that these students chant from the river to the sea, I'm, I'm in their target. I'm in their crosshairs, just like every Jew uh, is, is, is in their crosshairs because it, it's, it's just... It's so, um, you know, it's, it's just dif difficult to comprehend that, that people don't realize the gravity of their words and, 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 and what they are doing by their behavior. And they will be marked with the stain. They will be marked with the stain of anti-Semitism and hatred for the rest of their lives. But, but just going to Israel... There, there is this determination to lead a normal life. I would walk around Tel Aviv. I would go to the restaurants. I'd go to the bazaars. Full. Everything was full. And, you know, in our South, there's this elemental struggle between the IDF and Hamas. There's this constant search for hostages. And there's signs everywhere. Bring the hostages home. Bring the hostages home. But, you know, I never heard one Israeli, and I met hundreds. I didn't hear one Israeli use the word hate. Not one. Not even one. And these are people that have, have, have been witness to indescribable horrors. Not one word about hate. So there is certainly this optimism. There's certainly this um, hope. And there's certainly this toughness that we will 
get on with our lives. We will not let them win. We will go to the restaurants. We will shop. We will go to the beach. We will, we will, people, you go to the beach there, people are dancing. People are dancing on the, uh, on the promenade in Tel Aviv. People are, people are surfing. People are going, going out to, to night, nightclubs. So they are, you know, they're getting on with their lives. But I want to tell you this, this, this young, or not young, I mean, young in the context of where I'm at, but here's, I think, 51. And he, he told me this story. And this is really reflective of, I think, Israelis' relationship to their land and to their country. He's at home on the 7th of October, early in the morning, his phone starts blowing up with what's happening. He's a member of, of SEAL Team 13, or was, you know, he's, he's on reserve now. He's at home, pulls out a, finds a nine mil carbine that he's got at home. It's sort of a cross between a long rifle and a, and a handgun. No bulletproof vest, no uniform, jumps in his car, and he heads south. Tells his wife, said, wife said, where are you going? He said, no, I'm going to go and pick up my my my, uh, my mom who lives in, or his grandmother who lives in Beersheba, I think, in the south. She starts driving down towards the kibbutzim. He's following Waze. Waze diverts him off the freeway and diverts him into the uh, orchards. He tell me, if I'd have stayed in the freeway, I'd be dead. He said, because Hamas had set up ambushes on, on the freeway. So he, he gets diverted into the field. I'm, I'm just having a lunch with this guy, just chatting. He's a surfer. We're talking about surfing, and then he starts telling me the story. Uh, he gets diverted off the field, jumps out, finds a couple of uh, other guys, also no vests, no long rifles. They get into one kibbutz, and they, they start engaging with, with the Hamas terrorists. Now, he's got a family. He's got his wife, he's got his child, and he's just jumped in the car with a little, pretty much like a handgun, and he's gone in there to interact. He's putting his life on the line for his country. He was no longer in the army. He hadn't been called. But there he is risking his life for his country. He gets into a gunfight. They get into a gunfight. He gets shot. He's telling me that now. I got shot. I went, what? He said, I got shot. And he pulls up his shirt. He shows you he's gone straight through a 7.62 AK round, through, through his stomach, out the back. He said, oh, yeah, and I also got shot in my foot, shot twice. There he is now. He's just having lunch with me. He's going surfing later in the day. It, it, you know, when you hear these stories, they are so tough. Yeah, another, met another young guy. I was in Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles. Um, I've done my military service in Israel. He said, I read about it. I got on the next plane. Speaking to another guy, super handsome, young guy. Uh, yeah, we were engaging with Hamas. They sent a rocket-powered grenade in through the, the window, and it blew up, burst my eardrums. But there he is. He's come to the function to see me and hear me speak and have a couple of, uh, have a couple of hugs. So Israelis are resolute. Israelis are resilient. Israelis are tough. But let me tell you, hope and love burns through those people.
It's like a sun. It's like the sun when I paddled out after my last that sun, that connectivity. And and for me to connect through um through Shabbat and the candles and the light and what it you know, you know what it all represents. It's just it, 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 out of all the trips I think I've done around the world, for me this was certainly the most the most emotional, the most soulful, the most spiritual. Um, and, and, and for me, I just felt proud that I was able to share, share some of my hope and solidarity and support and love. Um, we're going to leave the interview on that note because we've, we've literally come full circle from your post about Shabbat, starting off with Shabbat and how it connects us to this incredible journey that you've, you've been on. Um, we in South Africa feel like our government, the ANC government, is constantly beating us with a stick because we support Israel's right to exist. And to have your words and your hope, your inspiration, really means a lot to us. So I'd like to thank you beyond for what you're doing for Israel, what you're doing for Jews around the world and for South Africans who know your name and, and you know, are proud of you irrespective of what you, you do and what you've done. It really has been an honor and a privilege to speak to you. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sharice. I've loved being on the show and, and, and uh, yeah, hope. Thank you very much. That was Sean Thompson, um, former surfer champion, sharing his experience of being in Israel.